to the Celebrating 60-Something Podcast. My name is Julia, and I'm your host. It seems like forever since my last podcast when we began podcasting every other week instead of every week. I did this for several reasons, not the least of which was my sanity, but I think it's going to work out well. If you keep listening, that is, and the podcast should keep getting even more and more interesting because I've booked some amazing 60-something women to be my guests. I'm so excited for today's episode. This is going to be one of my favorites. I just know it. Not only because of the topic, but because of my guest as well. Mary Robinson is married and the mother of two children and grandmother to seven grandchildren. She and her husband live in Southern Utah and enjoy hiking, as I've been told, and golfing. Well, I know her husband likes to golf, so we'll find out if Mary likes to golf too. Mary has served as everything from the PTA president at her kids' high school to the chair of several boards at Utah Valley University, including chair of the UVU Arts and Humanities Community Board, chair of the Women's Success Center Board, and the UVU Alumni Board. She has also chaired the Orem Cultural Arts Council and the CIRA Board. Mary has served on many committees, including the United Way Women's Committee and the Committee to Build a Performing Arts Center at UVU. Mary went back to school full-time when she was 60 years old and graduated from Utah Valley University in 2015, summa cum laude, no less, at the age of 63. And the cherry on the Sunday is that Mary and I were high school buddies and roommates a couple of years after that. She's a dear, dear friend, and I've invited her here today to talk about her goal of being a lifelong learner. Mary, welcome to the podcast, and am I right, do you enjoy golfing? I do not. I do not. (laughs) I love my husband to golf, but it's not my favorite thing to do. That makes me feel so much better, Mary. (laughs) Good. My husband, he can't understand why I don't, I don't like to golf. And we still kind of have disagreements because he took me golfing on our honeymoon. So it's boring. (laughs) I agree. (laughs) Okay. Well, to start off with, Mary, I know you call yourself a lifelong learner, and we all continue to learn throughout our lives, but I'm assuming here that you're talking about intentional learning. So why don't you tell us what a lifelong learner is and what exactly that looks like for you? Great. Um, I took a class when I went back to school in international communication. And when you start a class, the professor hands you out a syllabus that says what materials you're going to be using and the timeline and when the tests are going to be and the papers. And this professor didn't do that. He wanted us to learn how to be lifelong learners. And so he asked us to make up our own syllabus, to think of something that interests us and then write a plan of how we were going to learn about it. He wanted us to you know, think about it, make an outline, and then submit it to him. And then he would give us additional ideas. Well, that I sounds wanted... like a fabulous class to me. Oh, it was incredible. It was probably the most life-changing class that I've ever taken. Wow. But the professor had participated in the Israeli-Palestinian negotiations and and knew a lot about Islam. And so I decided that I would choose that. So I made my syllabus that I wanted to learn about Islam and submitted it. And he, of course, had lots of different books and suggested that I read maybe a biography about Muhammad. 
but to maybe read two or three, because when you read a book, you get the author's point of view. And, and so he wanted me to get a, a well-rounded view of Muhammad. So that what was it turned... the beginning of your quest then? Was yes, yes. Learning about Islam. and That's right. That's right. How fun. How unique. Yeah, <laughs> kind, kind of random. But what ended up happening is I was in a culture at school that was very rich in opportunities. And I attended symposiums about the Palestinian question. I met and interviewed a Palestinian woman who had grown up in a refugee camp in Lebanon. Wow. I attended prayer with one of the associate professors at UBU. You know, when you're actively looking for opportunities, they seem like they pop up. And it was the beginning of a lifelong love of the, of the people who follow Muhammad. Wow. So you know everything about Muhammad then and about religion itself. Well, I, I mean, uh, an awfully lot, right? I know a lot. Yes. The thing that's interesting is that Islam is different in every country. And so maybe I would read a book about Islam in Egypt and then one on Islam in Africa. So there were just so many ways of expanding and, and understanding and I think you would agree with me that it really makes a different difference when you understand someone else's perspective and they Absolutely. become alive. They become a friend and someone that you have an interest with. So it was life changing for me. Wow, that sounds so interesting. Have you ever traveled to any countries, any Islam countries, or have you been to find out about living the life there with them? Sure. My husband and I spent two weeks in Egypt, which was very telling. We spent a week in Jordan. Did you love that? Loved it. We went over to Israel a couple of years right. ago, and we didn't make it to Jordan, although at first we were planning on it. We never yeah. made it, and I just have wondered what I've missed. Well, it's incredible how advanced those people, that ancient civilization was. And then we spent uh, two weeks in Israel, which is an interesting experience because part of it is Palestinian. Right. Part of Israel is Palestinian and part of it is Israeli. And to see the difference of how the people live and what benefits they have in their lives. And those um, that they don't, Right. At exactly. It was a distinct difference that I remember. Oh, for sure. Yeah. The water is a very important thing over there. And the Israelis had water and it was a very beautiful, lush place. And in the Palestinian areas and in Jordan, it's very dry. And so they didn't have the benefits of the life-giving water. Yeah. It was pretty incredible. The girl that I got to know at UVU that was a Palestinian refugee, one morning there was a broadcast that said they needed to leave their homes because they were going to be destroyed and, and Israeli settlement was going to be built there. And she remembers them packing up 
what little they could and, and going to Lebanon. And that's where she grew up was in a refugee camp. Oh, wow. And she would take a bus every day into school and she graduated from high school, graduated from college. And the reason I got to know her is that she was on a special scholarship to UVU to get a degree in peace and justice studies. So that changed my life to know her. I bet. Was her plan to go back to her home when she was finished at UVU? Yes. And the thing that was very interesting about it is that for a Islam woman, it's very unusual that her father would let her leave her home and go somewhere else, take advantage of an educational experience. But he did let her do that. Wow. That's awesome. We'll move on here in just a second. But was there anything that she said that she wishes that us as people in the U.S. knew about their culture and their way of life? Well, all I can tell you is how it changed my view. And in a lot of my reading about the beginning of the state of Israel, what you learn is that there are good people and bad people on both sides. Because of our experiences, we might not choose to look at the hardship and the problems that these people experience just living day to day. Yeah. And so I have a greater kinship for the Palestinian people and, and the hard things that they had to do. Now, that's not to say that the Jewish people have not had a difficult time in their lives, but now I see more clearly both sides. Yeah, I bet. Well, what a unique and interesting experience for you to have that. That sounds so awesome. It was great. It was really great. I bet. Okay. Let's just jump back for a minute to your, your lifelong learning. You said that your instructor had you construct a plan to become a lifelong learner. Right. What exactly did you have to do? So he had us choose something that we were interested in and then ask questions. How can I learn about this lifestyle? How can I learn about the history? So each of us kind of dissected the thing that we were interested in and asked questions. And then together, we came up with the answers of how we would do that. And mostly it was reading books or watching documentaries, things like that. But then we wrote what we learned at the end. That was our quote unquote final. We, we wrote about what we found. It's impressed with you since you picked a topic that he liked as well. <laughs> I, I, I'm no dummy. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I bet you've learned so much. I think that's so cool that you chose Islam. I don't know. I was thinking... What would I choose if I had to do something in a class like that? I don't know. Yeah. Totally. Well, you know, you encouraged your listeners to take a goal or something out of a drawer and think about it and uh, construct how they're going to uh, make it happen. Yeah, you're right. And it's very much the same thing. You just catch a glimpse of something that you're interested in, maybe at the people who had influence in the Enlightenment, like Voltaire and and, uh, Hume and whatever, or maybe you just want to know about the 
not just, but you want to know about the history of hats. There you go. Yeah, <laughs> like you did. Uh-huh. You know, it doesn't have to be a huge thing. It's that we engage our minds. Yeah, I think that's exactly what the whole point is, engage our minds. So have you continued then long after you've finished school and whatever, you, do you still continue to study Islam or have you moved oh, on yes. to another topic or... No, I still have a real interest in Islam and, you know, things change in the world and there's always a new idea or a new tangent to explore. I will always study Islam. I will always be on the lookout for something, but I think it's not on the front burner anymore. Yeah. Yeah. But still always have that interest there. For sure. Okay, well, I have some other questions for a woman 60-something years old. I want to know what motivated you and how did you get the drive in the first place to go back to school full-time at age 60? Okay, <laughs> well, my, my mother graduated from the University of Utah at 65, and I had a year of school before I got married and then was on that track and raised kids. And then when both of my children left home, I decided I wanted to go back to school and get my degree. And I had a lot of reservations, probably like me, your listeners. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I was afraid, number one, my brain wouldn't work anymore. That's my biggest fear right there. We'll come back to that. Go ahead. (laughs) And that I could not compete with those young minds, that I maybe wasn't willing to dedicate that time. You know, I knew that I had three years of pretty much focused effort on fulfilling the requirements. But something inside of me just pushed me and I enrolled full time. And what I found out is that my mind did work. It took a little while to jumpstart it (laughs) (laughs) because I wasn't used to thinking creatively like I was required to do in school. Yeah. But after help from teachers, I kind of got the hang of it. Life experience is worth so much. And teachers appreciate life experience and they appreciate the true learning that you have. And you're not worried about your date next weekend or, you know, your roommates or. Yeah. You are pretty focused. Well, you know, I went back to school for a while when we lived in Idaho. I went back to okay. State. And I have to agree with what you're saying. I found out that when it came time to writing papers, I had a lot more to say. I had a lot more opinions. I always did really well on writing assignments because of all the things that I had experienced up to that point where they were just, you know, most of their weekends were the same thing over and over and over. (laughs) I had five kids that I was, had dealt with and all kinds of things. So I absolutely agree with that. Yeah. I had a very interesting experience in in my first communication class. I was supposed to introduce the person sitting next to me in a creative way. Uh And I wasn't afraid to interview her, but I could not think of a creative way to introduce her. And so I went up to the teacher and said, can you help me? (laughs) And she said, well, write a fairy tale or do her obituary or 
uh, write a poem. And those ideas didn't even cross my brain. Yeah. But when I stepped outside of myself and started to think differently, it was pretty great to know that you had the ability to do something that you didn't think you did. Yeah. Okay. Now, what was the hardest thing that you experienced in returning to school? I know what my hardest thing would be. I can tell you right off the bat, it would be passing math 110. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, have I got a story for you. (laughs) (laughs) I had to start math 110, college algebra. Yes. And that is a credit class. But I had to start with math 93 and take math 93, math 95, and math 1010 that were not credit classes. So I could take math 1010. (laughs) That makes me feel a whole lot better. (laughs) And I am happy to report I got an A in, in, uh, in math 1050, but I had a tutor also. Well, good and, for you. Yeah. And what he did is he brought uh, the things that we were doing and applied them to real life. And then I was able to click. Yeah, that's a scary one. That's a scary well, one. Well, I believe that is my only hang up. I Oh, <laughs> I know. I know. I know. We'll have to talk um, off the podcast, Mary. Yeah. <laughs> By the way, what, what, did, what did you get your degree in? Communication. Oh, that's what I was doing. Okay. Yeah. Oh, and people would say, why, what are you going to do with communication? Uh And I said, I'm going to communicate, hopefully. (laughs) That's me. I wanted to get a a degree in communications and then podcasting came along and I thought, well, I'll do the podcasting instead of getting the degree. And now I think I wished I had done both. There's still time. There's still time. I hope still time. Do you have uh, any desire to get an advanced degree? Is that in your future at all? Um, it, it, it does interest me, but I'm not sure I'll ever do that. I, I would get a degree in leadership, I think. So be great. Well, you've already done a lot of that too. So you probably could teach the class. What no. advice or encouragement do you have for women in their sixties who might be thinking that going back to school is something they'd like to do, but they're a little hesitant. You know, I feel like fear sometimes robs us of rich opportunities. And I think the expectation that you want to learn and that it's a, it's a journey and it doesn't have to be hard, it's enjoyable, and you can do it. There is no doubt in my mind. You can think, study, memorize it's not easy, but I know you can do it. So well, I would say, go for it. Yes. Well, that's encouraging, Mary. You're, you're nudging me to feel a few things I haven't felt for a while. So, okay. So even people like me whose memory gets a little fuzzy, I mean, really, I don't think I can remember what I had for breakfast today, but <laughs> I, I can remember my phone number from when I was a kid, but I can't remember yeah. short-term memory. But you say that all of that just kind of comes back and works and kind of even helps with that problem, right? I learned a different way to memorize. One time we had to memorize a whole page of a document and I would write it out. And that's how I memorized it by 
seeing the words on the page and knowing what one paragraph was about and then the next paragraph was about. And I just got creative on how you just visualized it, how it looked on the page. Right. That's right. How, that's how I memorize. I remember yeah. where the words were on the page and what was that word. <laughs> right. And see, I never did that before, you know, like dates in history. How, yeah. how am I going to remember this? So you find how you do things the best. When it was a whole page of a document, that's how I had to do it. It worked. Well, good. Well, okay. Anything else? Any final words you want to say to our listeners out there or any encouragement other than they can do this? Absolutely, right? You know, we have a finite uh, amount of time that we're here. And sometimes I feel like we sell ourselves short. And, and this big, beautiful world is waiting for us to grasp. And there are new horizons everywhere. And if you just look for them, I know you'll find them. Mary, you're amazing. I can't even believe that that this is the same gal who used to wear rollers the size of juice cans. <laughs> I was wired for sound back then. I, I, we all were. I got satellite radio through my curlers. <laughs> we all did. But it's been so fun talking to you about this. And I just think that's just so encouraging to know that you did this in your 60s, that you went back to school, you got a degree, you're a lifelong learner, and you're an example to so many people. So thank well, you so much for being here today. Thanks, Kay. It was, it was great. It was great. All right. Well, that's it, everyone. If you enjoyed today's podcast, I would really appreciate it if you would tell your friends and have them listen too. And if you'd leave us a good rating on Apple Podcasts or any of the other podcast sites that allow you to do a rating. Thanks so much for being here today. And we'll see you next time on Celebrating 60-something. Bye. Bye.